epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Oh, the Hang Time Podcast. We got a cast of thousands this week. Okay, a cast of three. Sekou Smith here in the studio in Atlanta. My man Kevin Cottrell from NBA Digital, researcher extraordinaire, basketball guru, Chicago's finest. And then we got the smartest man in basketball, Kev, John Schumann. Shoe. On from the top. Shoe, what's happening, sir? What's up, fellas? You burn, you burning league pass up last night? A little bit. First, first know, full uh, night for you to first full night for the league pass guy to uh, you know stretch his fingers out a little bit. How was it? What'd you think? It's overwhelming though because it's like you got all this stuff. Like oh, I want you want to watch all ten games at once, and you know you got to you know I I focused on one or two games. I still got one more I want to watch this afternoon mm-hmm. before the Thursday games kick in. You know, trying to go through uh, go through the box scores a little bit right now. Go take some notes. Right. Well, look. We don't have to talk about the anticipation for the season anymore, any of that stuff. It's here. Opening night w- was in itself kind of a, a bombshell. You know, five minutes into the first game, Gordon Hayward goes down with a uh, fractured ankle and a tibia crack that was just gruesome and, you know, horrifying to watch. You know, we'll get into that some more. But the first full slate of games, the Wednesday night slate of games, was fantastic. Giannis, in case anybody wanted to dispute it, this man is serious about staking his claim to the MVP if you go based on his initial performance. What y'all, what y'all think of, of Giannis' 37-13 and 13 in that win at Boston? I thought he accepted the Kobe challenge. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the first thing I thought about. Right? right. He took that tweet and took it to heart. And he went to Boston and said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you guys <laughs> got to deal with, you know, Hayward being out. But I'm on a mission. And y'all just wanted the 82 roadblocks in my way. <laughs> the Blazers' shoe went ham on Phoenix. I mean, just ridiculousness. A 48-point win on the road. Largest margin of victory on opening night in NBA history. It's going to be a rough season in Phoenix. Just, <laughs> I mean, we already knew that. But, like, you can't lose uh, at home in your home opener. Be down fifty. Well, they were down fifty-eight points at one point, and the Blazers didn't even have C.J. McCollum. So it's like it's not like that's right. You know, that's right. Wow. It's not like they got the the full effect of the Lillard, McCollum, and uh, Nurkic trio. Obviously, their defense was terrible, and their offense, I feel, is still like my it's too much. My turn, your turn with Booker and and Bledsoe. They had ten, I think, ten assists on yeah, twenty four buckets. Like that's just brutal. Like yeah. you got that's not unless evolved they start basketball. moving the ball. Like yeah, yeah I, I don't like watching. I mean, they they have Phoenix has a bunch of players that I like, but not uh, they don't Together. the way they play. I don't like. No, so they I, play I like, like a, they, they play like a nineties, like an old era NBA basketball. Like oh, we got these two main dudes, and we're just gonna let them. Do whatever they want. Everybody else run around and stand. You know, it's like I don't like the. Yeah, watching them, I was wondering that last year when they wanted to go in tank mode and you don't play, you don't play, you don't play. Yeah. Does, does that affect coming into this year? It's like almost they didn't play together last year. That's a good point. I I just think that they're not a. They're one of those franchises to me that they've been rebuilding for so long. They haven't yet figured out. Are we going to rebuild around players? Or are we going to rebuild around a system or try to have a mm-hmm. a culture in the way we play? And I don't know that they've figured that out yet. Um, they've had all this talent run through there, and it's been largely, think about it, Goran Dragic, Isaiah, Bledsoe, it's been yeah, revolving door. a revolving door of what kind of talent you have, but it's never been about, hey, this is how we're going to play. We're going to be up-tempo, or we're going to pound, or we're going to be a defensive squad or whatever. To me, it's like what Portland did when they had to find themselves after they broke up that team with LaMarcus and Batum and them guys. You know, they decided, hey, we're going to play through our backcourt, period. And to me, if you're Phoenix, and we've we've given Phoenix far more time 
then we probably should have 14 and lost yeah. by 48 on opening night. But yeah. they got to figure out how they want to play. Tennessee's ain't going to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that stuck out to everybody, I'm sure, John Wall and the Washington Wizards, they want some respect. And they they kind of spoiled the night for Philly's young crew, which they had some moments as well. The Sixers had Joel Embiid showed up with his cornrows. Ben Simmons showed up with the kind of the versatility in the game. We thought Mark Fultz showed up with the worst looking free throw form that I've seen since like sh- the Matrix. How do you shoot like that and you shoot the I, three wheel? I, I don't have get no it. idea. I, we, me and me and uh, Greg Anthony and Matt Wino said last night. Smitty was in the field, but uh, we were watching it, and it was like, "What is he doing? Man, like, I don't get that. how is that possible?" I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, but the Wizards and John Wall looked good. Wall had twenty eight eight. Finished a couple times nasty with that left handed dunk over some dudes, mm-hmm. and I, I have a feeling that the Wizards will be the team that we spend in an inordinate amount of time talking about. Why didn't we see this coming, or why didn't we think of? Talk about them more in the East this season because I think they got a chance to to push some people around and and potentially fight for that number two spot in the East. Shoot, the, let's go back to Tuesday night. Gordon Hayward's injury, uh, dislocated left ankle. Excuse me, I said fracture, and uh, the fractured tibia. Surgery has been done already. His agent Mark Bartlestein says that he's likely out for the season. Does not see him coming back. What what does that do to Boston's? plans for this season do you think shoe and and what what kind of expectations you might have for them i mean the first thing i noticed just watching the rest of that game is like how much now they're depending on the shooting of marcus smart jalen brown and jason tatum you know and and like that's and that which is rough like because that that's a those guys will attack very well like jalen brown looked great but he, he, I don't know if he's a great shooter. Marcus Smart, we know, is not a great shooter. Right. Um, and Tatum, I don't think he's going to be a great catch-and-shoot guy right away either. So those guys will attack closeouts, but there's going to be teams that, that are more controlled with their closeouts when, when Kyrie Irving uh, or Al Horford create and the ball gets swung to those guys on the perimeter. Teams are going to dare those guys to shoot rather than put, make them put the ball on the floor because they want to put the ball on the floor and attack and keep attacking. So I was just watching. I was like, oh, no. Like now, without Hayward, these guys are depending on these guys to make shots, and and that's tough. you know. And Marcus Morris will come back at some point, um, but he's not a great shooter either. So that's the one thing I have a question with them is their now ability to just sort of take advantage of the attention that Kyrie Irving draws or taking take advantage of their the, the team's ball movement and just knock down open shots. I still think like the top of the East is wide open because I just don't believe in the regular season Cavs. Mm-hmm. I think obviously the Hayward injury makes the Cavs a clear favorite to win the East in, in the playoffs, but... Mm-hmm. Regular season Cavs is just not a team I believe in, especially defensively. And we know there's going to be spacing issues with Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade out there at the same time. You're not a fan so of I, it. You're like, not a fan of the Rose Wade backcourt. Yeah. That, no, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You're not a, like I know you. You weren't necessarily keen on that. You didn't think that that would work. Right, and, and plus I just don't trust that team to defend night in and at night out. You right. know, as well as they can, because LeBron, you know, he knows what he knows how to turn to flip the switch come April. Yeah. And he's going to be sort of eighty percent of himself for most of the regular season. I mean, we saw it last year. I mean, that's the team that taught me, like, don't believe in the regular season much. <laughs> you know, like, they, they were just an entirely different team come playoffs. Don't believe the hype. Um, so I just see the top five in the East wide open. Like, we, yeah. we had our blog table question yesterday, and it was like, predict the East playoff teams. And yeah. I couldn't put the top five teams in order because I, I don't, even with Hayward's injury, I don't know if Cleveland's going to be a one seed. Boston, I, I'm not going to, uh, I think could still be pretty good. Washington can be good, but they have depth issues. Toronto can be good, but we don't know how they'll deal with you know the loss of Patrick Patterson and, and Corey Joseph, who I think re- were really important. And um, and Milwaukee, I think, is the one team I'm excited most excited about in that mm-hmm. conference, just to see the development of both Antetokounmpo and and Maker, like as the and and because they were really good at the end of the season once they got Chris Middleton back. So I think that could be a team that just grabs a top one or two se- top two or three seed in the east um a little and and surprise people a little bit why not washington why couldn't washington beat a team like i mean if yeah, all- i mean i mean washington could be number one they, they they just their bench was so terrible last year and i don't 
it's they're depending a lot on like Jody Meeks to give them like <laughs> yeah. something off the bench. It's tough. Like I mean, they didn't really improve their and and they were so healthy last year. Like I don't want to like start talking about injuries like that haven't happened yet. But I mean, they barely <laughs> missed any time from their starters last year. You might as well start you know? talking so about I, it. I just it's. No, it's just hard to it's hard to believe that they can be as healthy as they were last year as far as right. their starting lineup. I mean, right. they're already not because Markeith Morris is starting the season on the bench. The the one upside that they have, I mean, the one room for improvement really that they have is Ubre, and, and if he can really take a step forward, then they they could be a better team. The thing that struck me about the Bucks last night is, and I and I I think they've been on everybody's mind, you know, in the Aussies, the Bucks could potentially be more talented top to bottom than some of these other teams. That that are slotted ahead of them. I don't know if they're as top heavy or have as as many, you know, all stars as the Wizards or the Celtics. But if you look at the depth, quality of depth on their roster, the length, you know, and yeah. and everything they bring to the table, they could be a more complicated team to deal with than some of these others. And if Giannis is at that next level and ready to to take off and play like that on a nightly basis, his problems. I, the other thing that I took away from that. Boston Milwaukee game is a seven for twenty five game for Kyrie in Cleveland when LeBron is out there and you winning or whatever, yeah. you know it's kind of, you you overlook it you don't even bother paying attention he can't have off nights can't do that in Boston now like not as the number one guy you got he's got to play at that elite level every night out and and I think that's going to be the big education for for a lot of these Kyrie fans a lot of Celtics fans who you look at a guy's big moments and highlights and say oh this dude you know. This this is to do, but it's about doing it every night and and playing to a certain standard on a, on a nightly basis that sets the elite players apart from the ones who are just really good. That's what I would say. Going back to Washington, Otto Porter has to be the person to say last year wasn't a yeah. fluke. I got my money, yeah. but I you know I'm going to take a step better on both sides of the ball, and then maybe they can be that team that say so, you know they could jump and be one or two. In the East this year, yeah, I I feel like the, the Morris we got to get some Morris's on the floor um, in teams. Boston, yeah, in Washington to, before we get a better gauge of what those teams look like. Because I thought Marcus Morris could have made a big difference, um, even on opening night, having him in that mix. I mean, because to me, it's going to be about how deep can you go into your rotation this year during the regular season. Shu, you you mentioned about Cleveland. <clears throat> That's the one thing about Cleveland I like a little bit better this time around than I have in the past, I think they're deeper right now than they've been the past couple of years if you're talking about the kind of guys you can put out there throughout the course of a regular season and, and get minutes out of them. You know, they've had some some gray beards the last few years. The dudes are like, you know, you go, I look, God bless Richard Jefferson and, right. and all these guys that they've had. But I don't know if those are guys you look at and say they're going to play over the course of 60, 65 games, you get this out of them. Now, in a playoff setting, a postseason setting is different. But I like Tristan and Jeff Green and, and these different guys on that bench all year long because I think they can they can give you sustained play, maybe not as high a quality of play in a short in a condensed amount of time, but but better play over a longer period of time that's than why, regular season. That's why I think eventually Jr. has to start, right? I mean, eventually they're going to have to look and say Dwayne Wade is better at Dwayne Wade against second-unit guys. Yeah. And Jr. you know, I mean, at this point, Jr. is a better Jr. than Wade's a better Wade. You know, at this point in their careers, yeah. they have to look at that. And the Eagles got to get put aside because they're going to have a lot of struggles if they continue doing this. You know, I mean. Sure, you feel comfortable uh, lobbying for J.R. Smith in the starting lineup? Before we get to I, Thanksgiving, I don't. I don't really care too much about. It. Like you could always do the 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 move of starting a guy and then pulling him four minutes into the game, right. And to get your better um, lineup out there, there's other teams that do similar stuff. Like you'll see, like Utah starts Derek Favors with Gobert, but then pulls fa- Favors out really quick, so they, and then they can go to the their, their their lineups with either Joe Johnson or Joe Ingles at the four. You know, they're right. more floor spacing lineups. So I think you could do that with Wade, you know, start him, give him if give him five minutes and then take him off the floor and then you go JR and now you go you, you start to put your more shooting around around LeBron. And hopefully I mean, I don't know when Isaiah Thomas is coming back, but obviously when he comes back I think then you, you see Rose go to the bench and then you then you have another shooter out there and then Wade starting isn't that big of a deal. 
you know, next to next to a better shooter at the one. They had, they had a lot of Wade and Jr. together too. What you yeah. think about that? Shoot? Well, I mean, LeBron's the point guard, right? right. So you don't need a a, a a a prototypical point guard out there. I mean, they don't have one on their bench right now, and they did the same thing last year for most of the season, where Irving would come off, and they didn't have a point guard. They never played. You know, they never gave Kay Felder a chance to be the backup point guard. It was just LeBron and four shooters basically on those second units. So you can always do that. I mean, with LeBron, just allows you to play whoever. Like you could play what you know, whatever you want around him because he can be both the point guard on offense and the four, three or four or five on on defense. One of, one of the things I I don't like about how we're starting the season with with the injuries, of course, that I hate to see. You mentioned Isaiah, like the, so much will change throughout the course of the season for certain teams based on who's coming back, and nobody more so than Cleveland. But that's one of the reasons why I think Cleveland, no matter what happens throughout the course of this regular season, once they get Isaiah back, and if they're at anything close to full strength come playoff time, I have a hard time seeing how anybody in the East could deal with them. I mean, even Washington is a a team with some seasoned players, guys who have been through some playoff battles and all that, but they won't be deep enough to battle Cleveland in in a best-of-seven series. To me, I think everybody was kind of betting on the Celtics being that team, and I didn't think with... 11 new players or whatever it is, I didn't think the Celtics would be ready for that. I don't even think a regular season with Hayward would have vetted the Celtics to the point where they'd be ready to deal with a, a fully stocked Cleveland team come playoff time. Cleveland is, to me, far and far ahead of everybody in the East relative to the Warriors, who are not necessarily as far and ahead in the West. of everybody in the West um, at the start of this season. And, and I say that... Not looking too deep into their opening night loss to Houston because they lost by, what, 30 to the Spurs last year? And it meant absolutely nothing come playoff time. Shu, do you think, Kev, do you you think that the Cavaliers have a a larger cushion in the East when we talk about who be there at the, you know, come playoff time? than the Warriors might have in the West in terms of in be- between themselves and the rest of the field? If we're being fair, do the Cavs have the more ifs in terms of if healthy, if Rose is healthy, if Wade is healthy, if Isaiah is healthy? They have a lot of ifs that could determine, you know, just how successful they are when it gets to May and June because mm-hmm. those guys haven't if. had to do that in a long time. There's only one. <laughs> Oh gosh, who is? And it? he's always healthy, so I don't even worry about it. You know, the guy never been. There's only one if on the cle- if LeBron is healthy, right. healthy. If right. you're talking about the East, yeah. And when has he never not? And when has he not been healthy? So, yeah. I think if you take you just look at their roster from one to twelve or whatever, and you take LeBron and at least eight of those guys, I think you're in good shape in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and in I the learned way- my lesson last year. I mean, I thought <laughs> you know. Last year, we went into the playoffs. I'm like, wow, this team does not look good, right? right? I mean, we saw the second half of the season. They were terrible. Not terrible, but they were below 500, I think, you know, after the All-Star break. or or they had all kinds of issues, no question. X amount of games. Yeah. And other teams look good. You know, Toronto looked good. Uh, Boston looked good. You know, Washington looked good. I said, wow, you know. And then even the first round, like, the Cavs swept the Pacers, but, like, barely won two or three of those games, and their defense was terrible. I was like, huh, you know, and then pff, after that, it was it was all over as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned. So I learned my lesson. LeBron, if LeBron is is healthy in April and May, he will turn it up. And as long as you got some shooting around him, uh, I think you're in pretty good shape in this conference. But you know, we'll. I mean, the next six months will teach us a little bit more about the other teams more than it does about the Cavs, yeah. as, as far as I'm I'm concerned. No question. Um. As if we didn't want to talk about injury issues, there's another one. I don't know if you guys saw this. Jeremy Lin, he took a, a, a weird fall last night, you know, and, and you couldn't tell from the video, but I saw what – I'm reading his lips. And, uh, you know, and his teammates came over to him. And he was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. He had the, he had the you know, the, the, the undershorts, whatever they call oh, them, on the, the knee pads, so you yeah. couldn't tell. Like, you couldn't see what had happened, but apparently – it's a wrap for Jeremy Lin with the ruptured patella tendon, which is a horrible injury. Yeah. I mean, just a horrible. Anything ruptured. Any, yeah, I mean, just a. Sounds horrible. Not that we had these sky-high hopes for for Brooklyn, <clears throat> but how does how does no Jeremy Lin twist their season around? Because now you know who is getting ready to get shots up even yeah. more 
wickedly than we imagine. I mean, it's going to be a D'Angelo Russell shoot-a-thon this season. It's the maturation process now, yeah. right? We're about to really see uh, D'Angelo, I don't know want to say he learned his lesson, but after <laughs> exiting L.A. and now being in Brooklyn and the, the main guy in the backcourt, we're about to see what he's made of, Yeah, if nothing else. I think, I think Brooklyn's as far as playmaking is concerned, is obviously more equipped to handle Lynn's absence than they were last year. Like right. we talked about, it, like he was out last year, and then all of a sudden, Isaiah Whitehead is their starting point guard, who is a second round pick rookie, and like Sean Kilpatrick, who's not a point guard at all, was handling the ball. So obviously, they have not only you know Russell, but now Whitehead is a little bit more experienced, and they have Spencer Didwitty, who's just you know a little bit more experienced, and you know. They were starting Lynn and Russell, and then at the forward spots, Damari Carroll and Rondé Hollis Jefferson. They have a ton of guards that can play, and like so, they had in their first game Karis Levert, who needs to play, and Alan Crabb, who's their highest paid player, coming off the bench. So, right. The one thing now is that okay, now you alleviate that that issue a little bit, and uh, I assume you know one of the, one of those two guys will start. I think Levert will get a chance to handle the ball a lot. We've talked about him and 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 how good of a player he could be. So, from a playmaking perspective, they're they're more equipped to handle it. Lynn's absence, but obviously last year they also had Lopez, who was there to, to yeah. you know take some of the offensive load. So, I don't know. It stinks. It really stinks for him. You know that offense is sort of built for him. You know, spacing the floor and letting him attack north south. So. That kind of stinks that they don't have that anymore, but yeah. they do have a bunch of guards that are gonna, you know, still be fun to watch with that, you know, sort of pace and space spot style that they play. Yeah, this is, we shouldn't have we shouldn't have all this uncertainty in the league like two nights in. No, <laughs> we start over. Maybe we can start. We gotta start over. The, start the season over. Rewind. Start it again. Um, we talk about the East being wide open. The one team we haven't talked about, who I had, high, you know, super high hopes for myself was Miami and they come out of course open a night and get punched in the face no no pun intended to anybody from Chicago kid <laughs> um you know on opening night by Orlando I, I got a chance earlier this week to to talk to uh, Justice Winslow another guy coming back from a from an injury you know shortened season he was interesting he talked just about where he is and kind of how he's reconfigured his body and his game and his mindset Heading into this season, so uh, let's take a listen to what he had to say, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit on the back end of that. I'm sitting here realizing, man, you were like the uh, you're like the oldest 21 year old I know. I was just realized, like, man, 21, third year in the league. <laughs> I forget how yeah. young some of you guys are when you're even veterans. How you doing, man? How how you feeling going in to this? this third season feeling good man um obviously the shoulder set me back a little bit but um feel like i'm ready man i've been a lot of work this off season obviously the the partnership with metrics really helped me out you know i'm down 10 or 15 pounds and so uh just having their, their product available to me really helped me you know bring my game to the next level this year um whether it's protein um powder or their, their big 100 bars you know um that partnership really helped me but just, just focusing on my body, you know, lifting weights, conditioning, working with Seville games this off season. Um, I really just, just kind of took my body and my nutrition, um, just everything, you know, understanding the NBA and how it works. This, this recovery process has, has taught me to be a true professional. So, losing the weight, changing my diet, um, different nutrition supplements with, with metrics. Um, I was really able to, to take my game, you know, to the next level this off season. I'm just. Um, I'm relaxed, but I'm, I'm super excited to, to get this thing underway. Yeah, did the did the the process of of missing all those games and having to focus on the rehab did that make you refocus, like you said, or just on the the details about your your conditioning, your body, and everything else? Did that give you that time uh, to focus your energies there that you maybe wouldn't have had otherwise? Um, yes, I mean everything happens for a reason. So once it kind of started to sink in that I was going to have surgery and miss a extended you know period of time it was it was kind of you know find the silver lining and you know i did uh, i uh, went through the, the process and a big thing for me was just every day going through that that rehab the attention to details and, and the self-discipline that i was able to teach myself you know i used it in my recovery in my rehab whether it's you know weight or conditioning that day but then also carrying other to you know things outside of basketball and in my personal life just that self-discipline 
you know, maybe not to have that cookie or, or maybe not stay out late with friends. Um, ultimately, it just, it just helped me um, with, with the importance of every detail and kind of that self-discipline aspect that, you know, I use in, in basketball on and off the court, you know, whether it's my diet, but then also um, been kind of using to, to enhance, um, you know, relationships off the court and improve, you know, bonds with family members and friends. So um, it's been an interesting interesting process with, you know, what I picked up in the realm of, of basketball, but then also off the court, you know, because of this, this uh, rehab process. Yeah. What what was Coach Bolster's focus for you um, during camp and leading into this season? Was there a, a different approach taken this season compared to, the you know, your previous seasons in the NBA? For Coach Bo and I, it was about, you know, me finding my rhythm and my flow, and he, and he just, he wanted me just to, to lose myself in the game and, and, and just go out there and play. And so um, from that standpoint, it's just been about, you know, how many how many plays can I make and then how many extra, you know, extra plays can I make, you know, and just, just keep stacking those and keep building on those. And so just getting back, you know, to kind of that relentless defender that I was my rookie year and just letting the offense take care of yourself, just, just going out there and, and playing without thinking. Um, that's been great for me. I uh, put in a lot of work with my with my jump shot this all season. So now it's just about clearing my mind, you know, going out there and just uh, playing my game, taking my shots confidently. Um, but you know, big priority for me is, you know, I, I would I would love to um, be a part of one of those all defensive teams, and um, you know that that takes being in the best shape. So like I said, just um, you know, trimming up and taking my diet and my nutrition more serious. Um, that all has, has played a part, and obviously the metric sponsorship and partnership helps helps make that a lot easier with having their their stuff around. But um, just that's a big goal for me. You know, when you have one of those guys, one of those all defensive guys on your team, it really changes the complexion of, of your team. And um, I would love to be one. That's 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 one of my goals. But then you know we also got Hassan who who's been snubbed a couple times. So right. you put two of those guys on the same team, and then that can really be a problem. You talk about the makeup of a team and just kind of how the pieces fit with so much shakeup, you know, going on this offseason. You know, so many guys going from the east to the west, um, you know, guys stacking up on, on the same rosters, trying to, you know, figure out where they all fit. How does it feel to come back to a, a roster with so much continuity? I mean, you guys kept people in the fold, re-signed several guys, and it seemed like you would have um, an advantage even, you know, when you talk about familiar faces and knowing roles. Yeah, I mean, um, that's kind of a double-edged sword, you know, especially in my situation. You know, we, 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 we were playing so well at the end of the season, and part of it is, you know, I, I want to come back, I want to play my game, but it's figuring out what's my niche and how I'm going to be implemented back into back into this team. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we got to understand that how we ended the season doesn't guarantee, you know, anything about how we start the season, so... Um, we got to play with that edge. We got to get that edge back, and um, just just know that, you know, because we did finish the season thirty-one and ten, um, you know, we still we're still starting the season zero and zero. So um, we've got to figure out a way to get off to a hot start. But for me, it's just about going out there and playing my game and, and trying to, you know, get back and, and gel with my teammates again. You got you got your body reshaped and and you know went about the physical process of transforming. What about your eye for the game and what you saw watching instead of playing, you know, after January last year? What did you look at and study and, and maybe take notes on about the league, other guys that you're going to be dealing with and, you know, and having to guard and, and going against? Like, how big, how thick is that notebook of, of things you jotted down just about what you noticed about different nuances of the game last season? It's a lot. Um, I mean, you notice, you notice, you notice everything and, um, you know, there's places that, you know, oh, you would have done this or, you know, one of your teammates could have done this. So um, it almost puts you in kind of a, a coaching position. And um, sometimes, you know, it, it's good for you as a player to have a different perspective, you know, see the game through another lens. And that's what I had for, you know, probably almost six months. You know, you go from January until in the playoffs. And so um, it was interesting just, just picking up on different things, seeing different angles, different areas to attack and be aggressive, looking at guys' form. Um, looking at guys' technique defensively and offensively um, on, on different um, things, so I picked up a lot just from just from being a, a watcher and a, 
and a listener, you know, kind of for for six months, you pick up pick up on a lot of things. Yeah, you've, I mean, obviously people know about your dad, you know, playing in the NBA and professionally overseas, part of that fame five slammer jamma team at Houston. Did you lean on him, bounce things off of him during this process as well, knowing that he's been through some of the rigors and dealt with the injuries maybe and things like that over the course of his career? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I leaned on, you know, all my family, you know, just because, you know, it's a, a basketball-related injury, you know, doesn't mean it's, you know, the things you learn or the things you pick up on are, you know, only basketball-related. So even talking to, you know, different athletes, you know, I won't mention their names, but different athletes, different sports, and just, just um, different people, and, you know, they go through different challenges. It's not always sports. It could be, you know, um, emotional things or, you know, opportunities in their job and so you just talk to people man and, and, and um, you can learn a lot just just from having that conversation just from asking those questions that you know a lot of people are, are afraid to ask because you know they're uh, they think people will judge them because of the question or afraid of the answer and so just becoming more more vulnerable to those types of conversations um, the more emotional you know deep thought things you know it's not easy to have those conversations but I came out a better person because I was I was so vulnerable and had you know you know in an unfamiliar place and so uh, it was great you know I bounced things off off my pops um, but all type of people other players that have gone through injuries um, different friends going to different things just having that that open dialogue with other people helped a lot but then also being honest and having a having those long you know um, especially at the beginning of the of the recovery process, long, you know, emotional type of night. You gotta have an open dialect with your with yourself as well. And so, um, you know, you you learn a lot from other people, but when you have that open, you know, dialect with yourself and, and really you're honest with yourself, you learn a lot. Yeah. Did you what did you do? I mean after the trying part of, of last season and then the recovery and the rehab and trying to get back, what'd you do to escape? Like what do you do after that? to try and escape a little bit from it all in the off season and, and clear your head a little bit? Um, I've just been investing, you know, more, more of my time, you know, more of my ears, my heart, just investing more in, in the people around me, you know, figuring out what, what it is they want to accomplish and how they're going to accomplish it. Um, but I think that's a, just a big part. You know, a lot of people, you know, obviously for, for certain reasons, you know, my family, my friends have invested a lot of, of their hearts and their time into me. And I think a big part of that was, me reciprocating that, and I learned that during, during the rehab process as well, is just reciprocating that, that feeling of being um, supportive and buying into, you know, kind of other people and being invested in their lives. Um, I feel like that was a big part and something I learned um, during this process, but um, just investing in them, you know, asking them questions about their jo- their day, how they're feeling, their job, if they're going through something with a significant other, you know, being that ear to listen, I think that was a big part, just investing more in the, in the people around me. <laughs> that's, that's great. You uh, you come into the league with with a you know really a living legend like Dwayne Wade on the roster, somebody to kind of mentor you and show to you show you the ropes and, and kind of school you on some of the things you have to deal with as a pro. Do you feel like at this stage of your career, you're transforming from the young guy who's learning from the elders to to being one of those young veterans? I mean, I know you're 21 years old, but you know, you've been through enough so far in your career where you, you probably got some things you can share with a young player. Yeah, um, um, that's the great part about the NBA. You know, at the end of the day, it's a brotherhood. You see different guys on different teams, even even uh, helping other guys on other teams out. So for me, I'm still young. I'm not I'm not quite sure if I'm with that yet. But for me, it's just about being open, being open to learning, being open to teaching. Because, you know, whatever you give, it'll be reciprocated back to you. So the more you give, um, the more it'll come back. But for me, I'm, I'm always going to be transforming, you know, into the player um, I want to be. I'll never be, you know, even, you know, U.S. or hopefully one day, you know, I have championships, all-stars under my belt. But even that day, I won't be the player, you know, I want to be yet. So just, just constantly understanding that dynamic of, of always transforming, always going in, in in a positive direction. You'll never be where you, you want to be, but that's just, you know, how my mind is. It works, you know. I'll never be the player I want to be, but hopefully, steadily getting there one day at a time, and, and just keep raising that bar where I want to be. Um, because you know, the player I want to be right now isn't the player I want to be five years from now, and so it, it constantly evolves and it constantly changes. And um, that's just the mentality, you know, as a young player that I have. But um, yeah, I'm sharing things. Uh, I got 
you know, Bam on the roster now. So just, just trying to help him stay ready, help him understand the small nuances of, of the NBA. Because, yeah, I was once in his shoes and, you know, had guys, you know, that I could lean on. So I, I think it's great for him. No, that's awesome. Last thing, and, and I appreciate your time. When you look at this Eastern Conference, you know, and you, and you guys are, I'm sure, conversing, you know, early stages of the season, talking about team goals and where you want to be. Where does this Miami Heat team fit in the hierarchy in the Eastern Conference? How high can you guys climb, you think, this season? Um, I think a, a great goal for us as a, as a unit is, you know, getting home court in the first round. Um, I think that's something that a goal that is, is, is realistic for our team and, and definitely achievable. So obviously making the playoffs come, is, a, is a part of, you know, getting home court. But uh, getting home court will, will be great for us and, hopefully win that first series and then move on from there. I mean, um, you know, just, just getting to um, the playoffs is hard enough. So if we do that, um, we'll go from there. You know, as you as you know from last year, we were, you know, a top team in the second half of the year. And so, you know, we would have loved to, to have been in the playoffs last year just because, you know, how high we were and how we were gelling at the perfect time. So uh, we just understand the importance of getting to the playoffs. Um, and, and home court is a big part. So um, getting home court. Um, in the first round would, would would be a great goal for our team. No doubt. Justice Winslow, man, appreciate you joining us. We know you're looking good losing that 12 to 15 pounds. I probably could uh, use some tips now. I could lose about <laughs> 25 or 30 if you got the time. So when we see you down the road, man, it, it'll be glad to see you back on the court and healthy for the Miami Heat this season. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. All right. So you, you listen to Justice Winslow, guys, clearly a guy who understands the space he's in right now in Miami where there's kind of a log jam with a lot of different guys trying to fight for minutes and roles on that team. Shu, I know you, you're a fan of Eric Spolstra as a coach, as am I. Um, what do you think about the challenges he's facing with that team and trying to figure out who fits where in the bigger picture for the Heat? Yeah, I was looking at their roster. It's a weird roster, right? Because, like, Goran Dragic is their only point guard, really. Tyler Johnson is not uh, a point guard. He's a guy that likes to run on the wing. And so, and they don't really have, like, a sm- like a guy who you would say is a small forward, right? They have basically a bunch of, like, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guards, and then guys that are more fours than threes in this league. Um, Rodney Magruder was their starting small forward, and he was like six five, and he's out for a while. Yeah. Now they're starting Josh Richardson at the three. He's a he's a two guard too. Um, it's a strange kind of roster where they have now you know James Johnson and Justice Winslow who are sort of over, overlapping skills a little bit, and they're both coming off the bench with Tyler Johnson. It's it's a it is a is a really kind of a weird roster where Dragic and Waiters are their playmakers and. Um, you know, there was a couple of games in the preseason where Dragic was out and they were starting Waiters and Richardson at the guards. And, and it's just a it's strange. You know, they, they obviously had that huge turnaround in the second half of the season. That was all about a lot of that was a three point shooting. They just became a much better shooting team. Um, they struggled out of the gate opening night last night. They were eight for 30 from beyond the arc. And right. um, Orlando sort of overwhelmed them in the second half. It, like I said, it's just, like it's going to take I think some time. You know, it's it's most of their guys are back from last year, but I think it's still going to take some time for them to find the right rotation, the what works for them this year. I think Magruder losing Magruder for a while just sort of knocks their sort of bench units out of, out of whack a little bit. And yeah. and like I said, they're depending a lot on on Dragic to sort of handle uh, the bulk of the playmaking and 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 push the ball for him. Is it unfair that we expect Miami to be more of the 30 and 11 team they were in the second half of the season versus that 11 and 30 team? It got to be somewhere in the middle, you would think, right? Because it's it's almost like you said, this roster's weird. It's not really that balanced, not that much depth. But the expectations, it kind of reminds me of Portland. Coming into last year, we expected Portland to be like really in the thick of things. They got the four seed the year before, and it's like, oh, they got to take a step up. And it's almost like last year really doesn't. It didn't count because it was yeah. it was just a different. I don't know. Was it that unexpected team? It is Miami. Guys are probably going down there taking the night off. Just you know, <laughs> just a safe assumption because they were they were down and out and they played desperate and, and kind of got hot. Um, it seemed like this team is a wait and see 
Like, yeah. you know, that wait and see question mark. They're not in that Milwaukee echelon where it's like they have that clear cut guy yeah. who's going to carry them on a nightly basis. I, my my expectations for Miami are always skewed. I feel bad, too, because mm-hmm. when you go down there four years in a row for the finals, yes. and you're down there for the playoffs year after year after year, you start getting into this. Even when Miami has a competitive team, you expect, you know, you, you're playing off of the history, the recent history right. of a franchise. The yeah, and yeah. the culture and. So you're saying, well, oh, they should be there, so they should be that. A lot of that was was on Dwayne Wade's shoulders when he was there. The minute Wade mm-hmm. left, my my expectations for the Heat vanished because it was like, all right, they got to figure out their identity as a franchise. Sands D Wade for the exactly. first time in all these years. I don't know that I I have any player to identify with. It's it's Pat Riley. It's the organization. It's Spo, Spo who's yeah. the second longest. Tenured coach in the league behind Greg Popovich, which wow. is staggering. That's crazy. When you think about where he was his first season with D. Wade, LeBron, and Bosch. I mean, remember people talking about throwing him overboard. Right. I mean, he was – I mean, which is insane. Um, so, I don't I don't know. I think you might be right, Kev. I think we do have some maybe heightened expectations for them based on who and what the Heat have been in our recent memory as opposed to who and what they are. Yeah on the hoof right now. I I look at some of the contracts they've handed out the last two summers, and I'm saying if you were another franchise that spent the kind of money that they did on these players, you would have a clear expectation that we're a top-four team yep. in the Eastern Conference. We're going to be a team that's fighting for a home home court you know, mm-hmm. advantage in the playoffs, which is what Justice Winslow said. I don't know that that's as realistic. realistic. Yeah. It, you know, now that I look at them, in action as it was when I'm just looking at him on paper. I mean, for Whiteside to have 26 and 22 and, and not, they still yeah, lose, that's crazy. I was like, wow. I mean, you would think, okay, he's emerging as the guy that right. can maybe do this on a nightly basis, and they still can't find a way to win in Orlando. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that's – It's it's funny when you talk about the contracts, I was thinking about it. Like, they deserve a ton of credit for resurrecting Whiteside's career, right? Like, mm-hmm. he was a guy that was just, you know, yes. who struggled in his first couple stops. They deserve the same kind of credit for resurrecting Deion Waiter's career, right? Like, yeah. and then the same thing with James yeah, Johnson. James them, yeah. Johnson, three guys, right? That they basically, but along with that credit comes the obligation. Now you got to pay those guys, so they got pay. They made you know Whiteside the their their highest paid player. They had now this summer they had to pay Waiters and James Johnson. It's like. It's like wow, they did great with these guys that they got for cheap and and that were sort of, you know, one one or two steps away from being out of the league and and they turned them into NBA players again. But now, like with that comes now you got to pay them and, and so it's it's tough. And now they're they they don't have the flexibility, the sort of financial flexibility that they've had in the past. Um, but when you talk about like when you're talking about Wade and like we can't forget Bosch, like he was supposed to yep. be around for yeah. another for another two that's years point, and yeah. and so that's a tough like the transitioning out of that into what they are now i think this is still sort of a transition phase for them feels like and and i i, I mean whiteside puts up numbers but i i don't necessarily believe in him as a as a franchise player as a guy that is the that you can count on night to night on both ends of the floor to to be a leader and and that kind of stuff. So you've been hanging with uh, um, you've been hanging with Joel Embiid. You, you bad mouth him. <laughs> Get him off the floor. Uh, so it's a weird mix. Like I said, it's it's a weird mix, and I think you know I don't I th- I feel like there's there's got to be another move for this team at some point down the line that that gives them a little bit more direction to what they are. I think Spolstra will come around and, and make the most of the mix. And I think in the Eastern Conference, you you can be patient with this team as far as this season is concerned. You know, I don't think they need to be great right away. They can sort of take their time to, to figure out their mix, and they'll turn it on at some point, and they'll usually defend pretty well from, from night to night. Yeah. Um, and as long as they do that, they'll, they should have a playoff spot in the East just to, because they're in the East. Be, I mean, we, we don't want to make too many lasting judgments you know, four, eight quarters into the season, um, but but a lot of this, a lot of these teams in the East bear watching. Obviously, a lot of situations will have to resolve themselves in terms of rotations and and playing time and and all those sorts of things. It'd be very interesting to watch. Um, shoot, we can't get out of here without getting our first Schumann stat of the regular season. 
2017-18 season. Come on, shoot! Look, you better have something stronger than what you had in the offseason because we started we started gaining a little ground. Now we started answering these things without 19 tries. Uh, all right, during, so during the offseason. All right, so I was looking at um, the active scoring leaders per points per game mm-hmm. versus different franchises. Okay. So active players who have scored, uh, you know who are the leading scores versus versus other franchises with a minimum of five games played at least uh against the other team okay and so there are three active players that are the active leading scores against teams they have played for okay see if you can guess who those three guys are all right i'm uh i'm gonna start i'm gonna start off with james harden i'm just gonna guess james harden nope dang nope so these three players are their team's actively league score versus no, they're the they're the league's active score. Oh, like say uh, who who has scored the most points against uh, the Atlanta Hawks or mm-hmm. whatever among active players. The answer is Kevin Durant. So okay. Kevin Durant has scored twenty seven point nine points per game against gotcha. the Hawks. That's the the lead among active players with a minimum of five games against the Hawks. Okay, oh, okay, I see. All right, my, my bad. I was looking at the question wrong then. Um. I told you to bring it, didn't I? I told him to bring it, man. He brought it. Uh, Le- LeBron. Let's just throw LeBron, him LeBron Gotta won be. against the Heat. Yeah. 28 point. Le- LeBron averaged 28.2 against the Heat. He's the all-time. He's the okay. active leading scorer against the Heat. Against the Heat. Okay. Active. Who else would be on this list? Is uh, active. With, with Steph versus New Orleans? I'm trying to think of somebody he lights up. But wait a minute. But we, Steph hasn't played for he hasn't anybody, played else, for anybody the else but the Warriors. So it's oh, got to oh, be you got to you have to play yeah, yeah, against okay. Steph. Uh, mm, that's a, I'm trying to think who's who's with all the t- people moving. Yeah, like places, Car- but Carmelo they haven't done anything over Denver. Yet. Like Carmelo, maybe Carmelo against somebody not against Denver. Against yeah, against the active leading scorer against the New York Knicks, Knicks yeah. is Carmelo Anthony. Right, wow. twenty nine point nine points per game. Right. So that's a little preview for uh, Nick's Thunder, Nick's Thunder on, uh, tonight. Yeah, I like on that. TNT. Uh, who else has moved teams? It would be. Well, who's the who's the guy I just said was the leading scorer against the Hawks? Oh, uh, Kevin Durant. Well, yeah. So Kevin Durant is the leading active among active players, leading scorer against the Warriors at thirty point nine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that that is actually the high thirty point nine is actually the highest uh, points per game among active players against any team. I like uh, that. minimum five game. I like so that. a little a little fun trivia. So uh, the lead, LeBron is the active leading scorer against twelve different teams. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant against ten different teams. So they make up twenty two of the thirty wow. <laughs> uh, guys. Carmelo two, mm-hmm. the Knicks and the Magic, and then Curry is two. And what's fun is that Curry's the active leading scorer against Charlotte and Toronto. His hometown and his adopted hometown. (laughs) Makes sense. Nice. And then Kyrie Irving against two. And then Anthony Davis uh, is an all-time leading scorer, or the active leading scorer against one. And then the last guy, Mm -hmm. he didn't play for this team, but he was drafted for this team. So this is by this team. He was drafted by... He's the active leading scorer, minimum of five games against a team that he no, was drafted by but, but never, never played, played against, for. played with. Marcus Aldridge. Nope. Drafted. That's a fun by. one. He was drafted and then and you know, wore the uniform. I, I think maybe played summer league with this team and then was traded Andrew before Wiggins. his rookie season. Yes. yes. Andrew Wiggins yes. is the active leading scorer against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Twenty nine point eight points per game. That's kind of fun. Who's, by the way, and sure, I mean this with all due respect. Who the hell thinks of this stuff? Like, <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I was, I was looking at Melo playing against the Knicks, uh-huh. and I'm thinking, oh, Melo finally gets to play against the Knicks defense, which has been, you know, if, if you read my one team one stat thing on the Knicks, the Knicks have been. Uh, a below-average defensive team in 15 of the last 16 seasons. Wow. So I'm thinking, oh, Melo gets to play against the Knicks defense. And I'm thinking, well, what has he done against the Knicks defense in the past? And then I realized that he's the active leading scorer against the Knicks 
at 29.9 points per game. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And so then I just decided to, to like, I'm, I'm like, he can't be the active leading scorer against many other teams. And it was only one, so Orlando. And then I just sort of dug in deep and, and found that, you know, if you look at a lot of the top three scores, you know, LeBron and Durant are in the top three for almost every every uh, every team. But and Carmelo's in there as second or third against a lot. But only the only teams he's the active leading scorer: are New York and Orlando. We need to get a uh, we need to get a GoPro at Shoes House and like get him in his snuggie in his office writing these formulas in his Virginia Tech snuggie. Writing these formulas on the windows, and then his wife coming home and yelling, I'm talking about, get the, erase that out. <laughs> like, who, <laughs> you got a twisted mind, Shu. It's beautiful. We love it, but twisted. Definitely twisted. John Schumann with the Schumann stat, as always, making us think, making us wonder, uh, calling into question everything we think we know about the game of basketball. Appreciate it, Shu. Uh, Kev, Shu, appreciate y'all helping me through this this first Hang time podcast of the regular season. It's going to be interesting. It's we're going to see where this takes us this year because I'm everything we think we know about an NBA season leading up to it seems to change the minute that first whistle is blown and the season starts. Absolutely. So, um, Let's just have no no more season ending ending, ending injuries. No, I don't want. I don't. I want to steer clear of that. I, I think we yes. definitely need to to move on to bigger and better things. And look, it's just getting cranked up. We got Lonzo Ball's debut. Um, you know, with the Lakers, uh, the the OKC three. I don't even know. Have they? Have we given them a nickname yet? Have they got okay, an official? Okay, that's what they're saying. All right. So I mean, we got that debut. Um, you know, so much more going on this first weekend, first full weekend of the NBA regular season. Tune in, obviously, on all the uh, broadcasts, and stay locked in on NBA.com for all your up-to-date information on uh, the goings-on around the league. As for the Hangtime Podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a review. New season, new review. I like I like these lyrics, John Hartzell. Um, it's the right thing to do. Don't forget. And tune in next Thursday for a new episode right here on the Hangtime Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes. For a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that. And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.